0: I'm Lauren Dimmitt waters I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hi, everybody. It's Lauren Dinnett Waters with a new episode of Beauty is a Bitch. And guess what we're going to talk about today? Something that uh, I know my friends and I are talking a lot about right now, and that is COVID and COVID testing. So my guest today is Kara Cannon, who is the Chief Commercial Officer for Enzo Biochem, Inc., and is responsible for marketing, sales, manufacturing, and general management of operations at the company. She previously held executive positions at Pell Corporation, where she focused on commercial operations within the areas of diagnostics, biotechnology, and biosciences. She has extensive experience in the marketing and selling of innovative platforms for the diagnostic market, as well as the development and execution of strategic plans for the growth and sustainability of diagnostic-related businesses. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Lauren.
1: Thanks Yay. for having
0: me. Well, I'm very happy to have you. This is sort of a, a subject that um, I, you know, I was trying to avoid.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <but laughs> I think we all were, but. I know uh, COVID testing, I have have two uh, young boys. It's become sort of a part of our lives, (laughs) unfortunately. And um, I just am curious, how did Enzo become involved in COVID-19 testing?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. And um, for as much as I would love to avoid it also, it's been very much a part of uh, my life and Enzo's life for uh, the last months, really since the first words about COVID were being uh, smoke, spoken in the media and, and between scientists early on in 2020. Mm-hmm. And so, because we're a diagnostic company, mm-hmm. we had to be involved. And, and why and what that means is, as a diagnostic company, we make product that we sell to people that are involved in testing around um, disease states, whether it's basic research, people who are trying to find the next cure for cancer, or healthcare professionals that are working with patients to diagnose um, issues that that they're presenting to their healthcare provider. And as part of the things that we do, we manage a clinical diagnostic testing lab. So I'm sure everyone in your audience at some point of time has had to have blood work done. That blood work has to go somewhere to get tested. And Enzo is one of the places it would go. So all day long, doctors are working with their patients and they're collecting different types of samples. Again, usually it's blood or, or some sort of uh, swab that then in the later part of the day, we have people that are collecting up all of those samples and porting them into our lab. And our lab is located in the center of Long Island, where we're in Farmingdale, New York. And then all night long, we have people that are on site in our operations that are processing these samples and running the, the tests that the doctors are looking for. So we were already deeply involved in providing clinical testing to the tri-state area. Uh-huh. And when um, people started talking about COVID, we looked at our group of scientists that we have in-house who are already working on developing some other molecular tests. And we said, drop what you're doing and figure out how you can use our technologies to test for COVID. Put aside everything else. And that's exactly what we did. And so by April of 2020, we were running COVID testing out of our lab, the molecular testing that you heard so much about over the, uh, the last month. Mm-hmm. And we did that by people coming actually on site to, to our operations. We set up one of those. You saw a lot of these uh, party tents that weren't being used for parties anymore, right? Yep, so yep. a big white tent in our parking lot where people could drive up, get swabbed. And within a couple of days, we would report back a positive or negative result to them. We then started expanding out into the community. You mentioned you have uh, kids. A lot of schools were looking for ways to do testing on site at, um, at their school. And yeah. so we have um, trained professionals that go on a regular basis to different schools that we've, that we've set up partnerships with. And they do on-site swabbing. Those swabs come back again into our New York facility. We run the test, and within forty-eight hours, we give them back a result. So that's a little bit about how things have been
0: progressing of late. We now, have those. Okay. No, I'm sorry. When you, now, when you say that you were doing this this testing, you know, of children and going places, that's in New York, right? But were you running, a uh, uh, tests on, uh, samples that were coming from all over the country, or are you just more New York based or? So, so the majority of our testing is happening within the,
1: the Northeast. Okay. And and primarily the tri-state area. Okay. That being said, we have some national partners, so Uh we do get some samples from around the country,
0: but most of our activity is, is happening in the Northeast. I'm sure, the, I'm sure the population here keeps you pretty busy anyway, so. Exactly. Right. Right. So how does COVID-19 testing work? Like, what are the differences between PCR, rapid, and antibody testing?
1: Yeah, so that's, so that's a good question. So um, it, all, it all has to do with what you want to know about where you are with the disease or whether you have or had the disease at all. Mm-hmm. So, so the one that we heard the most about early on was the PCR test. Some people called it the swab test, the molecular test. These were different ways they referred to it, and that is looking at the um, nucleic acids of the virus. All right. So nobody's used the term nucleic acids since uh, they were in some sort of high school biology <laughs> I class. Was I was just thinking say. that. so <laughs> <Right. That's laughs> everybody. Everybody is back knowing nucleic acids, DNA, RNA, these are all words that have become part of our vernacular. Uh-huh. Um, but what that really means to, to a scientist or the person running the test is if they see that a person is carrying the nucleic acid for the virus, it means that the, the virus is present and alive in that person. Oh, interesting. And so you have an active infection. And, and so, again, in the beginning, that was what people really were interested in. Am, mm-hmm. am, I, po- am I positive for the nucleic acids, meaning am I carrying the active virus? Mm-hmm. But, but then over time, what starts to happen is your body starts to fight the um, invading virus. And, and it starts to win out. And as it's fighting it, it creates antibodies. So here's another word that we started to care a lot more about. Yep. The antibodies are the things that your system creates in order to fight the virus. And, and it does this for any virus. So if you have the flu, if you have anything that's a, that's a viral infection, your body senses that there's something that's not supposed to be there, and mm-hmm. it starts creating these antibodies to fight it. So there's other tests that the lab will run that can take a blood sample and then tell you if you're carrying the antibodies against the, the uh, COVID virus. Okay, And if you're carrying those antibodies, it means you likely were infected at some point. At you're some point, not right. infected right. anymore, but you were infected.
0: And there seems to be a lot of confusion about the antibodies, whether they how long they last? Do they mean you're, you know, you're not going to get it again? I mean, there's, there seems to be so much confusion around antibodies. Can you maybe explain a little bit more? I can try to
1: explain it, but I probably won't alleviate any of the confusion. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's a lot of things we just don't know. Right. Right. We, we we are learning as we go. Mm -hmm. I, I think one of the things that's really encouraging is, is, as time goes on, we're starting to see that this virus is not that unique. And so scientists and, and clinicians are able to use things they know about other similar types of viruses okay. to speculate on what will happen next or how things will progress over time. So even when it comes to antibodies, we, we don't believe that someone's going to carry the antibodies forever. Right. Right. And the question is, well, how long will you carry them? And it seems some people will carry them longer than others. And I can't tell you if that's days, weeks, or months. Right, And right. that's part of why people want to test for, uh, test, they might want to test themselves to see if they're still carrying those antibodies to give themselves some comfort that if you have the antibodies, you're probably uh, more protected against the virus. But that being said... That's not even 100% because Correct. the other thing has mm-hmm. to do with, um, again, it seems to be very unique to a person on how they respond and how protected they are. And
0: the other thing, which is a very
1: long conversation, is what about all these variants that are out there?
0: Right, which I'm going to ask in a, in a question coming up. So let's, let's table that right now because we are going to talk about the variants in a second, if that's okay. Absolutely. Um, Uh, but I think, you know, the thing, the thing that I'm hearing are people like, oh, I have the antibodies, therefore, you know, I'm good or I'm better than you because I've got the, you know, not better than you, but I'm, I'm more protected Mm -hmm. than other people because I have the antibodies. But in order to have the antibodies, it means you had COVID, correct? I mean. That's correct.
1: Right. If you're, if you have the antibodies at some point, you had that virus in your system. Even if you were one of these silent carriers. Right. You, you were exposed
0: to the virus. Okay. So, um, how do COVID nineteen variants differ from the original virus? So now here, see, here we are. So yes, yeah, so that used to be the topic infection. of conversation now because, you know, now it used to just be COVID, and now there's variants. So mm-hmm. can we? How do they differ from the original virus?
1: Yes. You and so yeah. absolutely. So so I think here again, although it sounds. Somewhat scary that what now there's all these variants that are happening. It's not that uncommon for a virus to mutate. So again, if I think about viruses that um, clinicians have had to deal with in the past, the most common one that you hear COVID referred uh, referred against is flu. Now, of course, flu is, is much more manageable than COVID has been. But from a scientist's point of view, there's a there's a lot of similarities. Another one is HIV, all right? HIV is a lot more scary. There's, there's similarities there too. These are all viruses, and they all are what they call RNA-based viruses. And they're known to mutate. And the question really becomes, well, how much and how fast are they going to mutate? So believe it or not, the SARS-CoV-2 virus is not mutating quickly or as quickly as some viruses might. Uh-huh. And the mutations they've seen so far um, are happening in that the testing that's available will still pick up those variants. So it is changing the virus a little bit. You hear about some being um, spread more easily or, or some um, having slightly different um, uh,
0: Well, aren't they they saying that like the, like in New York, the Brazilian variant, I'm hearing that quite a bit and I don't really understand it, but that that's. Yes. So they're
1: saying right now that they believe the Brazilian variant is the one that is, is most easily transmitted. Okay. Right. But here again, so it's most easily transmitted, but it doesn't seem to have, um, Uh, a stronger effect on the person. So, of course, we don't want these things to transmit. And as people are starting to get vaccinated, uh, there's a lot of speculation. And as they collect data, they will know further that the, the vaccines will protect against all the variants the same way that the PCR test can identify all the variants. Because the variation happens within the virus, but a lot of the characteristics of the virus stay the same. Okay. So, we can still see it the same way with, with a lot of the same tools. It's not 100%, but, but there's a lot of uh, similarities even
0: as this thing changes. So, that was going to be my next question. Will PCR and rapid test test accurately for variants of COVID 19?
1: Yes. And so, again, it's not 100%, but right. based on the tests that are out there and what we know, it's, it's uh, pretty safe to say that the test will cover the at least the known variants. So if I was to talk about Enzo's test, mm-hmm. which is a PCR-based test, we've been able to look at how our test works, mm-hmm. and we've looked up at the makeup of the variants that are known so far, and we know that our test would capture those variants. And, and you know, I, I would speculate that most of the PCR tests that are being run at regulated labs like ours
0: mm-hmm.
1: probably fall into that same category.
0: I was going to ask that question because, you know, obviously people listening are like, well, wait a minute, what if my lab's not Enzo? Are they all, you know, are you all kind of operating somewhat similarly or, or you know, uh, and it seems same
1: time you yeah, so differently get to, covered? The absolute, the absolute best thing to do uh, if you're going to get a test and you're worried about that is to ask someone. You can call your doctor if your doctor is the one that's going to prescribe the test and you can ask him, should I be worried about the variants? Are you sending my, my sample to a lab that will uh, be able to be very comprehensive in what it picks up? That's you helpful. can call labs, you can call urgent cares and ask them these questions and they can answer and will answer with uh, as much or as little information as you are willing to listen to.
0: I don't know. My urgent care place doesn't seem to know very much. No. All right. Well, then <laughs> call Enzo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm 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 just thrilled if they answer the phone. Are you kidding? Uh, that's like ooh, All right. So um, one one question or one conversation that um, I, I know it, my friends and I are speculating about. Now you know we're all beginning to qualify, especially since. Um, we're a little more mid- midlife where, you know, the, the age is dropping in certain states where you can get the vaccine. Uh, my question and and the conversation that we're having is, is it going to be, And I hope you can answer this, that we are going to need boosters as these variants happen. So even if you get the vaccine, it doesn't mean necessarily, right, that you're covered. It's going to be like a flu shot, isn't it? Like you're going to have to probably get one once a year or however that works out to deal with the variants. Would so,
1: so think. probably, probably, yeah. and again, this is one of those things that's not um, totally clear yet. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. The, the strong speculation is there'll be boosters.
0: Yeah, I was. Yeah, it's, I was talking to a, a a friend of mine whose husband is a is a doctor, and I was talking to him. Actually, I ran into him, and we were kind of talking about it because, you know, people are starting to get vaccinated. And I said, I just have a sneaking suspicion we're going to be getting like once a year, like a flu shot. And he's like. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus, at least for you know five to ten years, probably. This isn't right. going; it's not going away anytime the,
1: soon. The, the, the good news there too, though, is that as it becomes um, just part of of what needs to happen, it'll be so much simpler for mm-hmm. the medical community to dispense it, right? So, part of the problem yeah. we had was when this all started to happen, as everybody has talked about, there there was no vaccine, nor an idea on how to make the vaccine. And you saw how quickly the uh, healthcare community was able to start to pull on information they had mm-hmm. from other areas to to move the vaccine forward as quickly right. as possible. And then the next challenge was, great, now we have a vaccine. How are we going to get it out to right, millions right. of people? And And I think, you know now you learn from all those things and i think that if next season if it'll probably be somehow a seasonal thing yeah. that
0: um you'll you get out like your flu somewhere you'll yeah. get it you'll, like exactly like you can probably get it at your drugstore you know the the thing that the thing that the same doctor and i were discussing the 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 one good thing and not that there's anything good that you know can be said about this whole situation but one of the the good thing is that you know it did it's amazing how quickly these companies and and the medical community and everybody were able to work to get this out and so you know should something else come down the road it's at least reassuring to know that they'll probably learn from this experience and be able to roll something out even quicker next time if something if something like this happens again
1: exactly and and it's it's um a story for another day, but it's it's amazing to me when you think about all the things that had to come together, not yes. just the science aspect of it, yep but the, the supply chain, the coordination, the, the, the amount of people and things that had to be evolved and that they were able to make this happen so quickly. It really is. Again, it, it doesn't feel like a success story to any of us right now because it wow. it was such a difficult year and it, it there was so much we wished we had sooner. Right, it could have been so much worse. It could have been so much longer. And I think, you know, there's a lot of positive now that we hopefully will
0: start to see as we move forward. Yeah. And God forbid, you know, something like this presents itself again, at least I think it will, I'm of the belief that we'll be able to roll it out even quicker than this last time because, you know, there's been processes set in place and, you know, I I, I think it's pretty amazing. Yep. I'm saying that now as I'm like you know trying to get the vaccine myself, but um, why? My last question um, is why is continued testing so important for women in midlife? That is my audience, uh, even as vaccines become available. And and I think
1: we started to touch on it a bit when you listened to the way you and I just spoke. There was a lot of qualifiers in the things that we said, and every day we're learning more. Mm-hmm. But since there's still some unknowns the way to to stay diligent is if you if you aren't feeling well if you feel like you might have some symptoms if you feel like you were near someone who ends up that they tested positive get checked it's just safe and and for the next year i think we've come so far it's beneficial for everybody to still remain diligent diligent i'm sorry diligent and just have a little bit of extra caution in the way that we proceed. And that'll help us in the long run.
0: I I think so too. I mean, for what I, well, myself included from, you know, people that I've spoken to, women I've spoken to, I think we're getting a little bit more comfortable with it. Like, you know, we're not as scared of the, you know, the testing and I know my children are like so used to it now. They're like, "Um, you're going to go, get, you know, go get a swab up your nose. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, because they understand if they want to continue doing what they're doing, they have to do it. You know what I mean? Yes. So, yes. So.
1: And, and it's gotten better. Right. So in the early days when they stuck that swab up your nose, it was way up. Oh, and- I know.
0: Last <laughs> summer, last summer, we, yeah, it was brutal. It's yeah. <laughs> but they did it. you know, they yeah. did it. Yeah. And now, but now most
1: places that do it, they go, um, they, they go just a little bit up into, into the nose. It's much more comfortable. It's not as scary.
0: It's, it's a much easier process now. Is it still, I, cause I thought unless you felt it like in your brain, it wasn't a, a good of a swab. Like, so that doesn't really matter because it doesn't matter. So there is oh. a proper way
1: to take, to take the swab. Right. Okay. So if they, if, they go into your nose. They they have to sort of scrape the the inside of your nose to make uh-huh. sure that they get some um, some sample, right? That right. they're not just um, twirling it like a Q-tip. They have right, to right, actually right. scrape a little bit. But they don't have to go all the way up. What they've learned, and this is one of those things they learned over time, was initially they felt well, okay, it's a it's a virus it's a respiratory virus. It's like the flu. We'll use the same collection method as we do with the flu. And that's the one that goes up into your brain. Yeah. But then over time, they started (laughs) to see that that they have a lot of data now to show that whether they collect mid-nose or all the way up, they get the same... correlation in results and so why put people through that extra discomfort if you don't have to and so most uh people who are collecting now have switched to the mid uh collection
0: good to know that tells you i haven't been in a little while but i haven't had. good a- for you but good for you that you haven't had to be tested yeah no yeah i i i was uh, i've been tested i think three times but it's been a, quite a while since the last one and I, I think the last one they really went way up there mm-hmm. was, or one of, I think maybe the second time I was like, the first time I said, well, this isn't so bad. I don't know what's everybody talking about. And then the second time I was like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) whoa, I felt it in my brain, up in my eyeballs. It was, it was, uh, you know, but I think it's important. And, um, uh, anything else you'd like to add, like anything else you would like to say to my audience, you know, The the, the only, the only thing since you're giving the opportunity that I, that I would love
1: to mention is for your listeners that, that might reside within the tri-state area Uh in order to make life even simpler. In addition to us doing the, the testing collection mid nose is we've set up a, a website called go test me now. And oh, okay. you can go to this website and you can request a test without having to first go to your doctor because in New York you need a prescription to get the to get the test. But you know, it's it's uh, sometimes a hassle to go to the doctor's office especially with all the rules and regulations that are that are around now. So we set up this website where you can go online and request your test. We've partnered with doctors who then quickly review the request Mm -hmm. and process the test, and then you just receive an email that says, okay, you've been approved, go to this uh, testing center. And so, for example, we still have the one here in Farmingdale where you just drive up in your car, you get swabbed, and then you go online to get your results. So we've tried to simplify everything from start to finish, and that's go testing now.
0: Dot com? Yes.
1: Okay.
0: Go oh, that's, that makes life a lot easier. I wish I'd known that months ago because, <laughs> uh, you know, running, trying to find a place for testing that had them, uh, for a while there was kind of crazy. And, mm-hmm. and now the craziness as I'm, as I'm finding out is trying to find where to get a vaccine. That seems to be the new, the new one, but yes, but I'm glad we're there. I'm glad we're there. I'd rather be getting the vaccine than just getting tested and not being able to do anything about it. So I really thank you. This has been fascinating. Uh, I learned a lot. I also learned that I knew more than I thought I knew. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yes, Yes. I think we all we all have become um, uh,
1: biologists now somehow. But uh, it's good. It's good for us to know what's what's happening. It's good for us to have some idea. I think with understanding, it takes some of the Fear away because we know better how we should act and what we can do and how things can get better. And again, Lauren, I, I appreciate the time being here. I thank you for for having me.
0: Well, thanks. And I, I well, I think it's an important conversation. And I know it's one is when I'm having a conversation with with my friends or or my uh, you know getting questions on Instagram or my followers or whatever. Then I, then I know that this is a, a subject that we need to discuss. And so. I sort of crowdsource for the topics that I'm going to have on my podcast. So it kind of works out perfectly. And this is obviously a hot topic right now. So I I really thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. And um, okay, everyone, we're going to wrap it up. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out a lot. And I have a new pro-aging podcast weekly. So please contact Lauren at fountain 30com for sponsorship opportunities. Thank you so much and uh, take care, be safe.